0: You're listening to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions, and I'm your host, Michelle Dawes-Burt. Fasten your seatbelts as it's sure to be an informative discussion and conversation. Keep in mind that we are not perfect, but we're empowered. Enjoy. Good afternoon, and welcome to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions. I am your host, Michelle Dawes-Burt, and as always, I am super excited to be here. I'm trying to hold it down. I am trying to hold it down. And keep it together, because today is a very good day. It's a beautiful day here in Atlanta. Sunny skies. It's a little muggy. You know how it is. But our kids here, some of them have already started going back to school. Um, My son goes back to school on Monday, so it's like, this is it, right? And I know all my people that are listening in the Northeast are like, what? They go back already? I'm like, yeah, they go back in August. So it feels like our summer is shortened because our kids are starting to prepare and go back um to school so we want them to be safe mask up you know the whole thing it's a it's a whole thing going on here down here in atlanta but we're trying to be um safe and just cognizant of what our kids have to go through I just want to welcome all the new listeners, all of our new, all of our new listeners today. Thank you. Um, let me give you a little background about what Real Chicks Rock is all about. We're all about creatively collaborating, connecting to raise awareness regarding issues that impact women, right? And we do it by way of community service public speaking, mentoring workshops, and the arts. And we've been doing this particular platform. This is our sixth season of having people that I like to talk to that I find that are doing legendary work all about the empowerment of women, just really good, dope people, just doing some dope things in their profession. They're passionate and they have so much to share. So, today is no different. No different. I also want to introduce the sponsor today. Today's show is powered by the Universal Hip Hop Museum. I had the opportunity of having those wonderful ladies here, Martha Diaz and Renee Foster, a couple of months ago. And so, the connection is still here. It is time for Hip Hop in New York City, summer 2021. Listen, I wish I was able to go home. My kid will be going to school, so I can't really uh, not be here while he's going to school. But listen, they're doing things in the Bronx, Staten Island, Brooklyn, Queens. Go to the website. Um UHHM.org. Universal Hip Hop Museum is doing some incredible things. They had a learning series this past weekend that ended. It's been phenomenal. So thank you for partnering and powering today's show. Without further ado, let me just get right into it, right? Okay. Today, my get my my guest is a dancer, choreographer, radio personality, TV personality, entertainer, dance teacher, gymnastics coach producer, director, podcaster, actress. She is hip hop. She is hip hop's favorite girl, none other than Leslie Big Legs Cigar. Hi Leslie. Hi. How are you? Good.
1: You said Big Legs. Donnie Simpson used to call me that all the time. Y- yes,
0: <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Welcome. Welcome. You beautiful thing you.
1: Thank you for having me. And I love that you mentioned my girls, um, Martha
0: Diaz and Renee. Fox yes.
1: From the Universal Hip Hop Museum. Most of my sisters, we've been in the churches a very, very long time. And I'm glad that there are females that are like in the, the realm of the Universal Hip Hop Museum. Yes. So I just looked at a panel for them a couple of weeks ago, which was great.
0: You did. You did. I saw that. and You did a great job. We're going to talk about some of those things. Leslie, let's jump right into it. Born in New York City. Yes. Right. Yes. New York.
1: Official Queens around the
0: way, girl. Yes. yes, yes. I was feeling a Harlem vibe, but I'll take Queens. I'll take Queens. All right. Tell me, what was the neighborhood like for you growing up as a kid back in Queens?
1: Um. Well, you know, all of New York City really is just like a melting pot, right? Like mm-hmm. there's Latinos, it's Dominicans, yes. Colombians, Puerto Ricans. Yes. Um, African Americans and Indian community and Asian community. That's what my like elementary school, junior high school was. I think we were all like relatively middle class, and everybody, you know, when people are surprised that, you know, Latinos own stores or the Asian people own, you know, whether it's the, excuse me, the typical or stereotypical, I should right, say, long right. matter, nail salon. But every race in my community owned a piece of, um, real estate or, you know, work to storefront and stuff. So it was, was, you know, this is when kids grew up in the streets, right? Playing stickball and double Mm dutch and dodgeball and handball
0: courts and jams
1: and all that other stuff and roller skating and ice skating and riding bikes like I'm part of
0: that generation yeah 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 I was a handball girl and then the paddle ball came out and I got my paddles from Models on Fordham Uh Road in the Bronx shout out and so we hitting it hitting the ball on the side of the community center I know exactly what you're talking about I want to talk about when did you start gymnastics Leslie when did you get exposed to that
1: um, well, I actually started what's considered very late. I was about nine or ten, and I was such a tomboy. I hung out. There were like maybe three girls and like eight boys who lived in my building complex, and we used to hang with the boys, climbing trees, whatever, and then be in the park and you know, be flipping on the yes. grass and stuff. And yes. I would always be flipping in the house. And I would—that's when like Wild World of the Sports would come on on Saturday yes. mornings, and the gymnastics and stuff would come on, and I'd be glued to the TV yes. and start teaching myself stuff. So my mom put me instantly in a trampoline class wow. by the hospital in which she worked she's a, a nurse and um literally after two classes the instructor's like well, we, you need to put her in gymnastics she's really good yeah and once I got into gymnastics within the first year I was competing in national competition so most gymnasts start like when they're three or four me starting at 10 was kind of late, late. but the progression was amazing for me and it was just like a sense of community and consistency and progress and hard work and it got me a full scholarship to college. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. That is awesome, Leslie. I want to ask you, tell me, what did you feel when you first heard hip-hop? When you first heard it? What was that feeling that came over you?
1: I mean, and it had to be for me probably like either like a jam in the park or on the hill And it just kind of was like when the, You don't know it as a kid when the hairs stand up on your like skin right. or the electricity shoots through your body, yeah. and then you feel everybody just starts like this groove and stuff. And for me, it was just seeing, you know, we all dance. You know, Black people are never shy, and we groove to any yeah. sound of a drum or a beat or whatever, and we're rhythmic in our soul. And it just, you know, the roller skating rink was like my second home. I was there every Friday and Saturday um, and so that's when you really start to hear it, start to see the breakdances, and of course, I come from like the original New York City where, right, right, right. you know, there are breakdances on the street, the Israelites are preaching, mm. 42nd Street is filled with like peep shows and yeah. porn stuff, like graffiti on the trains, yeah. and rats all over the place, yeah. like, like I'm from the dirty New York yeah, original yeah, city. Yeah, so. yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. My environment was nothing but loud music and dancing and all these things that were like candy to me. Um, so to hear it and to feel it and to just be, entrenched in it and then seeing my friends do it. I grew up in East Elmhurst, Corona, Jackson Heights, Queens. Mm-hmm. And that's where like DJ Wiz, Kid Play, um, uh, the Super Lover MCs, like all those guys were first to me who, you know, we all went to like high school where we're a couple of years apart, but we all hung out together. They went to, you know, uh, the same grade as my sister and stuff. Mm-hmm. So even seeing them start their group early, um, the Disco Twins and all that other stuff was just like, food
0: for my soul yes. you know nice awesome man you took us back I, we talked about 42nd Street too when I had Martha and Renee and I remember coming out of the train station you see like condoms going down <laughs> That's how gritty and grimy and dirty it was. We would go down there and just play um, arcades, and there was the, the 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 boy that used to play on the plastic uh, bucket. Yeah, yeah, and and cops actually walked the beat, and it it had a grittiness to it, but it had like an aliveness to it too, right? It was like no other place you wanted to be, but in Forty Second Street. So I totally know how you feel. You were Were you always a dancer, Leslie? Like, did you have the balance between this vibe and this love that you have for hip-hop and being a gymnast? Did you feel like you had to pick one over the other, or you were able to infuse both?
1: No, no. I was able to really infuse both. I think because I was in honors classes from, like, third grade to 12th grade. So because I had really good grades and did well in school, my mother gave me, like, freedoms. And you know, right. you're already a latchkey out for yeah. most people. yes. And the, if you don't know what that means, it's like if you have both parents that either work or you're a single family home and your parent works, you get the keys, you grab them around your <laughs> neck, you, yourself, you take the you yeah. the class, and you're very independent at like nine or 10 years old. Um, so gymnastics was absolutely my structure, but I also got to hang out in the park, and I also looked old enough that I could sneak into the clubs. Mm. And so once I started to be able to get into like Latin Quarter and like the roller skating rinks mm. and see the dancing, then I became a club kid because any – I maybe took ballet for a very short time. My, gymna- my gymnastic training is my dance training, and then the club is my dance training. Mm-hmm. So I'm a house music head, really. Before I'm a hip hop head, even though hip hop came out, you know, you know how to do the wop and the, yeah. you know all of that stuff. My house music came out. That for me was something that just ignited fire in my body, and the freedom, and the smoothness, and all of that stuff. And then, of course, I was affected by. TV shows like Fame, watching Debbie Allen, yes. or even before that, Darcelle Wynn, who's one of my heroes. Some of you may be too old, but please go to YouTube. Solid Gold. Yes. Darcel Wynn was this tall yes. gazelle, tall legs
0: <laughs> with and with long legs, long hair, young hair, yes. <laughs> kicking it up, and yeah. I had towel around
1: my head, kicking stuff yeah. around the house, my mother was like, sit, yo, girl, yeah." That's that's where the dance came from. So, being able to like gymnastics by day, house music and clubs, and you know, hip hop or battles and by night, it said every bit of me. So, yeah. no, I never.
0: Had to. That solid goal was a staple in our house like every Saturday. And you know, not for nothing, I think they gave her extra dance moves, like extra dance routines, because she was so fly and she danced with everybody. That she danced when she just blended, and she was just so charismatic. So yes, I remember her. I yes. remember. So she was your little, she was your hero. You looked up to her from a dance perspective.
1: Oh my god! And within the last couple of years, I've actually she's become my friend. Uh, I've uh, had to interview her on my podcast. Like I reached out to her on Facebook, she got right back to me. We met we hugged, I damn near couldn't keep it together. Like I just, you don't, you know, that's a full circle moment, right? In the words of Oprah, like you just don't understand what you did to me as a little girl in my living room. Right. No, I could be you. And I still have yet to meet Debbie Allen, but my only really experiences was experience of hearing her was, um, I did, uh, the open for the, I think it was the soul train 25th anniversary that wrote was yeah. and I remember doing backflips down the style of the stage and I can hear Debbie going, yes, honey, yes! <laughs> look, after I finished and I saw her standing up and she pointed and I just was like on stage about to yeah, cry and I yeah. was like, oh
0: my God! Yeah, yeah. You killed it. You killed it. You killed it, Leslie. You killed it. Everything you do, you kill. I want to talk about the dance crews and like the gypsy life, like living in, like hanging out in Washington Square Park, that era. Come on and talk to us a little bit about that. Set the stage. Well,
1: people don't understand because even though um, I had just graduated college, right, had a, you know, a, a bachelor's degree. Thinking I'm, you know, already had a job lined up, so I'm in this workforce of doing like sports medicine, exercise physiology. But my soul is screaming like, "Oh my God, I need something else!" And I had gotten into a five-year master's program for sports medicine, but you can only compete four years on a scholarship. And I was like, "I gotta dance, I gotta go." So I opted out my fifth year, which, of course, in hindsight, I, I regret a little bit. But, um, you know, there was. There was no internet, right? There was no Google. There was none of that stuff back then. There was not even like pages and stuff. So you really were pounding the pavement trying to figure out what work was and how to get auditions. And so there were newspapers like Backstage and Showbiz that had all these listings of auditions and stuff in the back. Or I forget what this little book was called that had listings of agencies where um, maybe you can, you know, apply to be an agent. But I never had an agent. So I always hung out in the village anyway because that's where all of the like artistic and creative people you know, all the ones who don't want to listen to their parents, or right. just want to, you know, hang out at night are. And the inspiration was, is I found my gypsy family. Uh, you're gone for the day because everybody knows you've got to hop on the train and nobody's trying to be on the train all day to go back home. So you pack all of your stuff, exactly. change your clothes, deodorant, whatever, in case you stay over for the next day, um, all the sweaty stuff, whatever. Yeah. And I just found my little community, and each one of us would hear about an audition or something, whether yeah. it was, you know, Moni Love, Fall MC, Public Enemy, KRS-One. And then we the, the bouncers would always let us into the clubs for free because we kept the party going. So mm-hmm. never really had to pay And we'd be on the dance floor all night. We knew all the DJs, and we'd be about speakers. We'd be battling. There was a handful of us girls who would be battling the guys. But even though it was a battle, it was still like a learning community because you feed off the energy and the skill of the other person. And it was hard to really see, like, even for guys, I never saw any of the guys really do a lot of backflips and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was able to incorporate dance and backflips at the same time. But back then, too, a lot of the artists in the record label people Hung out in the clubs in New York mm. Like everybody, the AR, and the, the, the video Producers, directors, the artists Themselves, because they'd be on the open mic So they'd be like, I want you, can you be in my Video, and that's yeah. when this Come to the office, here's my card Blah, 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 and so it was that Kind of a thing, and I just, even before that I remember sitting in my dorm and I'd watch like Paula Abdul or Jody yeah, Watley. Yeah. and then I look at the name on the on the as the video credit would come up MCA records and you'd have to dial 411. Yeah. And then you to the receptionist. And then you have to ask the receptionist, how do I get in the video? And they send you to the video department. Like it was wow. really hustling. And I was yeah. committed to that. And yeah. that really became, you know, you send packages, you're licking envelopes, mm-hmm. like the way people would send in their demos. Like yeah. I had to shoot, like a video VHS tape for me doing dance and gymnastics and stuff and send it in. But most of my work of my work came from really battling in the clubs and stuff. Wow.
0: Awesome. Amazing stuff. Now you mentioned college. What college did you attend? I want you to say.
1: I went to Springfield College in Springfield,
0: Massachusetts. Nice, 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 nice. And do you remember, Leslie, your very first professional gig? Your very first gig that you did?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, There were actually two that kind of happened at the same time. One is when I became, I've never done cheerleading, but... Uh, full Force, the music group, was yeah. doing a celebrity basketball game with WBLS, which is a big radio station in New York. Mm-hmm. And they hired cheerleaders to do, I guess, like their halftime show and their sideline stuff. And so I actually got to flip across the gym. I remember I probably did like 10 back handsprings, full twist or something at the end. Wow. And by the time we finished our routines, heading back to the locker room, I had people going, handing me their business cards. Wow. In my video blah 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 the second which happened around the same time was um auditioning for an off-broadway play called club 12 which was a remake of shakespeare's 12th night mm-hmm. and in that play was myself wyclef who's going by his government name then Nell, um and a couple of other people and a big beat records which was part of atlantic records was yeah. kind of like funding the project so they um And Wycliffe wrote all the music for that. I actually was an actor in it and danced in it and stuff. And we were all club kids and stuff together. Like so many of us, myself, Flex Alexander, Elise Neal, Darren Hickson, like literally all of us were Hungry J-Lo, club kids, you know, Mm -hmm. um, who had aspirations of doing other things. But Big Beat Records had their artist, Jay Williams, who had a big record called Sweat, Mm -hmm. being a dancer. um, And he asked me to join him and his girl, Barbara Tucker, um, and we became Hugs and Kisses, his background dances. And we literally, that song blew up so big that we did three and four shows a night. That's where wow. my house was at the helm. so We went from, like, New Jersey to Connecticut back to New York. Like, I'd be doing gigs from, like, 11 p.m. to 4 in the morning. Wow. Like, oh, what the hell? I'm yeah. like, Ma, you got to copy that. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing, like, my 9 to 5 job. Yeah. So I, I was working at a gym so I could, like, carry my stuff, shower at the gym, change, and I'd be on the floor or whatever. like.
0: Yeah. 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 But it was exciting. It was exciting. So I want to talk about some of the work that you did, man. 30 videos, you know, you choreographed. We love Mary J. Blige. Let me lean into the mic. We love Mary J. Blige. And so you had the opportunity to work with her when she was just coming up. You ladies still have a, a relationship and a friendship today, right? We do when we see each other. I mean
1: there were times you know, we've lost touch, but anytime Mary and I see each other, it, it takes us to a place of us sitting on her living room floor, crying because she's still in the projects, the song is on the radio, yeah. we got shows that you know, everybody's grabbing at her and doing her dirty. Like it takes us to that time of very humble beginnings because yes. she was really one of my first big choreography projects. You know, puppy oh. and I are club kids from back in the day and he was like, Yo, let's I need you to do this, da da. da, da I'm getting me Mary. I need some rough, rugged and raw. Give me that sexy Harlem uptown girls. Yeah. You know, and the girls that I rock with, like we'd all been like the core dancers when we club together and tour together. So, you know, and Mary will say that, you know, I don't dance and, you know, Leslie taught me everything, but Mary taught me a lot, right? Mm. Because all of her essences Yes, yes, you know, yes. As a choreographer, you have to grab that and mm-hmm. put that into their mm-hmm. project so it's authentically them. So um, yeah, that was really good times and I was so happy and so proud of all
0: that she is doing. That's yes. my sister. Yeah, she's just really liberating and living her life and living her truth, and we're just so happy for her at the moment. Um, I wanted to ask you, did you have a artist, a favorite artist that you like working with, or maybe a favorite choreography piece that you did?
1: Oh boy. Um I don't know if any of my 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 absolute favorite choreography piece probably did not make it to light. Hmm. I think it was um, maybe a film piece that I worked on that did not get picked up. You know, hmm. there's a lot of projects you work on or even things that you're in and you shoot and you end up on the cutting room floor. Right. But as far as favorite artists, I've enjoyed 99% of every tour, every music video, every artist that I've ever worked for. There's maybe one whose ego was probably like, and I'll save that for the book and the documentary. Yeah, yeah, I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna read the book. Yeah, when it comes out. I'm waiting on the documentary. You've been talking about the documentary for a minute now, Les. Come on. We want that one. We want that. I want to talk to you about living single. You are iconic. You I watch you every Saturday morning. <laughs> you have the best beautiful silhouette known to all of us, we know that silhouette. Before we knew your name, we knew your body, we knew your move, we knew what you were doing. We loved your haircut. How did you land that opportunity, Les?
1: It's so crazy you say that, because literally, I remember standing in line at McDonald's one day, somebody tapped me from behind, like, aren't you that dancer? And I was like, how the hell you? And I'd be like, what? And what's crazy is that people don't realize is that, you know, when you're a gymnast and you're in a leotard every day yeah. a of your life, people judge you on your appearance, right? And what your body can do. Mm -hmm. So there comes some, you know, whether it's weight gain or or not small, whatever, there comes some uh, not self, but I guess self-esteem issues and insecurities and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. So me always being, I'm only five foot six and probably then I was like 130, 140 pounds. Uh, But I was still probably like the biggest one in the room and so people don't realize that the thing that I thought cursed me and I had, you know, I had large breasts in like third grade and Mm -hmm. stuff. So came to be a blessing that yeah. people recognize me for this yeah. train, right, right? Yeah. So I happened to, um, I was on tour, I forget who I was with. I don't know if it was Guy or Heavy D and Otis Salid, who's a directographer who did um, school days, you know, who that is. Uh, I want to yeah. be in love tonight. He yeah. was working on Malcolm X for Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. And there was a Lindy Hop scene that I was like, oh, my God, that's my favorite dance era! I have to be a part of this. But I was on tour, so I couldn't make the audition. They were in rehearsal, so one of my friends was actually in it. Came, I came up, introduced me to him. It was too late for me to join. I ended up doing extra work on there. Um, and I don't remember giving – I may have given him my business card. I, I don't know because I was so enamored by his work. Well, out of the blue, a couple of months later, I get a phone call and it's Otis Salid on the phone. And you're just like, "This is that you?" <laughs> Listen, I have this project. I don't have the gig yet, but I have an idea. And I think we can bring it to life and I think we can sell it to them. But only you can do it. Mm-hmm. And I need you. And I'm like, anything to work with you, whatever you need. So we literally spent like 100 hours under the Brooklyn Bridge. And I'm doing all these backflips on cobblestone, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And so then I see the piece that he finishes editing, and there's one version that might have a front flip, but there's really, like, no flips in it, so I'm kind of like, oh, but that's what I'm known for, but it didn't need it, because yeah. he's just that visionary, yeah. he right? uh, pulled all the nuances or whatever, and once he had the meeting with them, it was a soul thing, yeah. and I just was like, oh, my God, but yeah. who would have ever thought it would have had a life of, like, 20-something, like, it, I, he, Never told me that. Still
0: living, still living, still living, and we love it. And I want to talk to you. I want to slide into, from that, did that help springboard opportunities with BET? Because you were the first female host on Rap City, right? Like, talk to us about that. That's a huge accomplishment.
1: No, absolutely. Um, I think it was more of my video work as a dancer, because I became, I came to BET as a guest on Madeline Wood's show. She had the show Video LP. Yes. Trying to find me, like, I love your work, I need you to be on my show. So she actually had me perform um, with a piece that I choreographed with two other dancers, and then I got to sit on the couch and talk. And two of the producers, Keith Bashel and Sunita Brooks, maybe Eric Watson, came downstairs and said, Oh my god, you know everybody, you know everything, you're in the streets, you have these relationships with the artists please audition for us. I was like, say no more. So I auditioned and it really was a hard sell. It was a hard sell for, you know, women having voices in hip hop. Yes. You know, I credit D. Barnes from pump it up for being one of the first really to like be in the trenches with a male dominated, uh, form of music mm-hmm. and doing integrity, uh, work of integrity, you know, yes. really good interviews and stuff. So yes. I kind of modeled myself in that way. Um, but I also had a fight too, because you know, when the men are upstairs and they are at the helm, they uh, want somebody that is going to float their boat. So, mm, you know, mm. and sometimes women that look like me don't do the job for them. But the producers are like, we don't care about all of that. She's the truth. We need her. Mm. And then once they had me um, on, I did a few test shows with Prince Day Shore, who used to do Teen Summit and Rap City. Yes. And the artists and the labels, who I had known since some of them before, didn't even have deals found out that I was doing a show and started requesting me. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of like a win-win and a blessing. And it literally happened right after I auditioned for Living Color and didn't make it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was devastated and brokenhearted. But like God says, you know, when one door closes, oh, another so blessing opens. And literally four or five months later, Rap City happens. So
0: Awesome work. Awesome. Congratulations about that, Leslie. I want to ask you this. Is this true or false? Did Bob Johnson say... You're not the type of uh, woman that men want to see on TV, is absolutely. that it? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And that's kind of what I was saying in regard to, you know, when I, they first tried to pitch me to be the show. Yeah, um, you know, and the the caveat is that sometimes women who look a certain way have to work harder, right? Yes, right? You have to come yes. in smarter than your counterparts. You yes. have to come out. Even as a dancer my size, people yes. think I don't do gymnastics. So now I got to come with like the real skills to prove it to you. So I'm used, I was used to that. Yeah. Um. But to hear people say it in your face, it doesn't get any easier. Yes. And then you have somebody who you're giving all the shows to who is clueless about music. Right. And this is no disrespect to them. Like take the opportunity, run with it, ride that wave, get your money, do you girl. Right. But, I'm not, I'm not here to help you and I was asked for help and I was like I can't and mm-hmm. I didn't need like a teleprompter or a script because I knew probably more of the information than the producers had because wow. I knew the artists and I was there at the beginning of their careers or knew them before they had deals mm-hmm. um and I'm just glad that the people who God surrounded me with those producers fought for me every step of the way you know mm-hmm. so it mm-hmm. did what it did did I, I Wish I could have progressed with more shows, but there were other shows, like when I had moved to LA and started doing radio with Big Boy, it was an opportunity for me, I thought, to do a late night show with John Sally. And that's really when I was told like, nope, they don't want to see you on late night. We want somebody
0: else.
1: Like something else. Yeah. So, you know, at some point, you have to make a decision. Joe Claire and I were just talking about this on our podcast about how we separated from BET. And for me, it was... Really, my choice. Um, Stephen Hill had come in and my contract negotiation was up. And I had been on the show seven years, still making more money as a dancer, as a choreographer, wow. and as a radio talent. Wow. I'm on a national show of seven years, doing segment producing and hosting, and I'm not making as much money as those three other
0: Wow, entities.
1: wow. I didn't want to really change my contract. So, at some point, you just have to be. How long am I going to stay in this yes. relationship? Right? Yeah. yeah. Shame, shame, shame on me. So right. I just kind of, you know, I was like, thank you, but I opted out. And so I ended up doing freelance work for them at my rate later on down the years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. at some point mm-hmm. you have to take a stand. And I, I think that's unfortunate because there's always that fear of, losing an opportunity or not being able to work again or somebody blackballing you, but whatever's meant for you is already ordained and that's what it is, so.
0: Les, do you think there's anything that we can do as women to change that narrative? Do you think, how do we, can we do anything to improve that those types of situations?
1: I mean, I would love for there to be you know how sometimes when you go to a gynecologist or a doctor, uh, you know, there's two people in the room. Right. 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 That, uh, and we wish that the, the female gymnast, when they had Nassar uh, doing all their physical therapy, had a second person in the room. Right. right? So that in your eyes, that are protected. And right. I think even when you go into these meetings that the HR person is there or the ethics person is in the room so that we can really hear what's happening, as well as more female executives in the room to help champion the um, you know, other people coming in. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a gift and a curse, right? That things like affirmative action or the diversity department even exist, right? Because we hate that there's racism and sexism and ageism and all this other stuff. But whatever tools we need to get elevation um, into the forefront, then, okay, let's take it. Yes, let's use it. Let's utilize it to our benefit. Um, And it's unfortunate. And sometimes, too, there are women who are in these power positions who feel threatened and insecure. So it's really kind of tough. And I think you just have to show up with the best skill that is undoubtedly better than anybody else in the room, which is why I'm up at five or six in the morning, putting in the work, you know, doing the research, learning whatever, teaching myself, you know, next level stuff. So that even if I'm denied, then I know I showed up as my best self. And again, the universe will give you whatever belongs to yourself. So.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, Les, hip-hop today versus when you first came in the industry, totally different, yes?
1: Oh, absolutely, yes. It's, um, you know, I'm... I'm excited for the hip hop artists on the business side where they're really negotiating. Like you're only as good as you negotiate, right? So they're getting their publishing deals. They're getting their own label deals. Mm -hmm. It's like no more, even those who were like too short and e 40 selling their stuff out of the trunk. Like that entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. is really dope. And and the amount of money that's changing hands now is great. I think though, in regard to the music, it is disposable music to me. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing that, makes me feel or have a moment or takes me back to that time. And I don't want to feel like I'm stuck in a mud because I love some of today's hip-hop. Like, I love Megan. I love Cardi B because that's, like, all my New York raunchiness. I love Symphony Girls. I love Drake and Meek Mill. Like, they're things I love. Right. They bring me that joy, that Heavy D or Tribe paul Quest. Right. They gave me those moments of celebration. So I'm trying to find them in certain artists or certain songs, but there aren't, like, banger albums because there are barely any albums anymore like right, that. Right, um, right. It's over so fast, but, you know, it's a sign of the times and I'm sure our parents said the same thing about yeah. their Motown era or yeah. music from the 60s and, yeah. you know, disco and all that other stuff, yeah. so... I'm just trying to like embrace all of it and carve out moments and songs for
0: myself. Me too. Me too. I like the baby, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. I always like Kendrick. I still like J. Cole. And even to younger, even to kids today, they are thinking like J. Cole and Kendrick might be a little, (laughs) might be a little outdated for them, you know? So it's, it's really hard to get, we're spoiled because we could get an LP, an album and wear the whole album out. There wouldn't be anything on there that we didn't like, you know? So now it's like we can get a we can get a single over here and a little something over there. And it's definitely a mixtape type of <laughs> <it's>
1: <laughs> But that's the thing I love about the freedom of like Sirius XM radio or Spotify or Apple, yeah. right? And it's unfortunately because those things have been the death of terrestrial radio where I worked for so many years. Yeah commercials or a playlist and the rotation of music is the same every two hours now you have the freedom of listening to like international music artists in Japan Mm -hmm. and Belgium and France and you know all the collaborations that are happening with the baby and somebody from Japan or from South Africa and all that other stuff that it just opens your world to so many different possibilities and, and greatness so I attach myself to those things too
0: you think radio will
1: die you think it's dying um, it's definitely changed a lot. Yes. Um, I think it won't die for like the forty or fifty and over. You know what I mean? Okay. Just because all of the other technology is is a lot for a lot of the senior generation mm-hmm. thing, um, who just don't want to move with the times. You know right, what I mean? Right. You have to turn the radio, lock into the same station. You hear the voices that you're familiar to familiar with for so many years. You don't mind the commercials, um, but I know radio for people like me doesn't pay like it used to pay. Um, you get into syndication if you're lucky enough that you know you're the one person who is heard in like 900 other different cities and, and stations and, and states and stuff. Um, but you don't get out to the community in all those places the way you used to, where the people could actually see the person that they hear on the radio and have that relationship and that bond with. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's going to die. I don't think it's going anywhere, but it's definitely being overshadowed for
0: yeah. sure. Yeah. Does dancing still resonate with you, Leslie? It- um,
1: I think I'm more excited by the choreographers and their creativity. Okay. And what they're doing for artists like Missy and Beyonce mm. and even having a baby dance. Like mm. when I see a thug dude five, six, seven, eight, that just turns me <laughs> on. Right? Because <They're laughs> you don't expect baby to be doing anybody's choreography. Right. And- exactly. And- yes. With it. Yes. I-, I love it. And I think the dudes respect it. So I love that creative part of it. I haven't, there's maybe one or two dancers that I just happen to follow that sure I love their work and especially because for me I like athletic females Mm -hmm. and doesn't include twerking and all of that stuff that anybody can do I need you to come with some real skill especially being a gymnast like I need to see some athleticism I need to see that yeah but there aren't dancers that stand out to me the way I think we did back right right There's not music videos because Vivo and Revolt and YouTube show music videos and stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think, I don't want to call it lazy. I just don't think, I think they're so busy worried about getting followers and doing TikTok routines and all that other stuff that unless you're a B boy or a B girl really competing and in the trenches, you know, the other dancers are just doing routines and just enough to stand out but not shine. Yeah. Like, I need you to know my name. Like, for me, I want to be held in conversations with Debbie Allen and Paula Abdul yeah. like, and Martha Graham. And, like, I want you to know that Les is a chick from the hip-hop world yeah. was that chick.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, so. yeah. It's a different time, Les, because, you know, I watch the videos, too, just to stay on point, just to see what's going on. It's a lot of swag. It's a lot of you know, looking in the camera. You know, drinking, popping a bottle, people standing around, and and that same energy translates in the clubs. When you go to a club, you know, I'm a house. I love house music too. I just want to say that. Um, and so when we go, we go for a purpose. We dance, we sweat. But when you go and it's more of a different like music today. There, it's more people on the cameras, on the phones, like you know, selfies. Nobody's really like appreciating the beat that came with the lyrics. Like nobody's really dancing. So to your point, it's really difficult to see who's emerging because there was a time. Uh, Like I said about you and living single, we didn't know your name, but we knew your face. We knew how you moved. We saw those eyes in remember the time video with Michael Jackson. We saw those eyes. Yes. In different videos, we were like, there she is. There she is. There she is. And, and we don't have that same, that same opportunity today. So you're absolutely right. It's totally different. And I wonder, how do we encourage there are still young girls that want to dance, right? There are still dance studios, young ladies that are trying to dance. What could we say to encourage them at this moment? I
1: think dance is the one thing that unifies everybody. And if we didn't see anything else in this pandemic, other than people of all ages, races, sizes, dancing for joy in their living yes. rooms... Um, dance is the one thing that will never go away. So I'm so excited for that. Um, I wish we had shows in my era of like, so you think you can dance yeah. and the stars and stuff like that, other than just, you know, Fly Girls. I wish we had all of that stuff, but right. I'm glad that it exists. Um, no one should ever, ever stop dancing. And you should not just want to dance so that, you know, you can be the best ass shaker on TV right. or Instagram for followers. Like, come with some real skill. Mm. Real- that means let people like Debbie Allen or, you know, even if you compare it to Simone Biles or or a Misty Copeland, let you be the one that stands out in the forefront of everybody that you're with because you work just that hard. Mm-hmm. And people respect you for your craft because that's where the longevity comes from. Right. Not like hot in January, but nobody remembers you by November. Mm. Like, who wants that? You know, I'm thankful that people are still learning about who I am and the work that I've done and kind of still know my name over these yeah. last 20 years yeah, you
0: know? yeah, you're unforgettable. Let's talk about the podcast. Yeah, you got your face lit up. You and Joe Claire doing a podcast. <laughs> That's good stuff. Tell us about it, Leslie. Tell us. My God,
1: Joey, he was my co-host on Rhapsody. Yes. Right no. And um, he just called me one day. He happened to be like in Mexico in Tulum. I happened to be in Cabo San Lucas. This was like literally as they we were hoping to get out of the um, pandemic, yeah. and like I get out. I've been in a house for like months, and he was there hiding with his family. So he was like, "I think we should do a show." Mm. And I was like, "I think we need to make a comeback too." Yeah. And- really have just started. I think we're on like episode two or three. Uh, We've had Chris Weber and Big Daddy Kane and a lot Mm -hmm. of artists are like really gravitating towards like, oh my God, because they feel safe with us. Yes. You know, especially with me and even with Joe, but with me, because like I said, I grew up with them in the club Mm -hmm. before they had their deals. They Mm -hmm. saw me as a struggling hungry ass dancer, you know, who's kind of, you know, still propelling in this way. And they know I'm not on some like sensationalism. Yeah. Like we have who want to tell all the scandal and the dirt and they feel safe to tell me their story or to talk about that mm-hmm. scandal and know that i'm going to let their truth come out so really what our podcast is about is called the ruckus um with les and joe mm-hmm. and you can catch us on youtube and we're actually in the middle of maybe negotiating some deals so pray ruckus. yes yes um, and what we're doing is really bridging the gap we're talking to the legends and the godfathers and the godmothers of hip-hop mm-hmm. and all the music that you hear that's been sampled from all your new artists or whatever, you're going to know where it came from mm-hmm. and we're going to find out what they've been doing. So, you know, special
0: ed, we're going to talk to KRS
1: one, mm-hmm. Dana Dane, mm-hmm. Mac 10, um, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody,
0: you know? everybody. everybody that's going to be hot. That is hot already. Cause I like it. I like it. I like it. What's on your bucket list or life list. You know, what do you have left to do?
1: Well, the one thing that has always been at the top of my list Um, And I'm happy for Megan Thee Stallion. She's living my dream right now, which is, you know, being a Marvel Comics superhero. I've always wanted to be the next Pam Brer. And thank God I can still backflip and hopefully maybe they'll bring me in to be her mother or something like that (laughs) on a project. But that's the one thing is I want to be a female action hero. Yeah, I probably want to do that more than I've wanted to dance.
0: Really? Um,
1: yeah, and I but and then I look at it whereas the universe has already said, Les, you are a superhero. You you soar through the air, you backflip, you double twist, like yeah. I do tape. Like you do all those things anyway. I'm
0: like, Yeah, I'd like to get paid for it. Yeah, like, really? yeah, 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 yeah. Get some big Les bracelets on, like or something.
1: Like, airplane. Yes, yeah,
0: the whole thing a lasso, you got you know what I mean, we get you designed up and yeah, that'd be hot.
1: That's, that's the one major dream I have creatively-wise. creatively, creatively wise. Um, And also, again, I, you know, taking a page out of Debbie Allen's book, seeing her transition from dance to now what do I do, right? right. do and that's where this documentary came from. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, to tell the story of the women of the golden era, of the 90s hip-hop. Um, and documentaries, you know, as much as you'd like to get them out, quick, take a minute, because – now we have to get all this archival footage. Now we have to change it over to make it look really great because mm-hmm. otherwise it's going to look really gritty. Mm-hmm. Then you got to get music clearances. Mm-hmm. Then you got to catch up to people. And the pandemic didn't help because mm-hmm. I was doing like in-person interviews you know, with Bobby Brown and Otis Salid and, and Lionel Martin, who you know used to run classic concepts, which shot all the music videos of the 90s. He was the director extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. And then I had to do some on Zoom, like Laurieann and yeah. Josie Paris and yeah. stuff. Yeah visit those so that we can do it in person. So this pandemic didn't really help, but we're going to use what we got to get what we want. Uh, the next step is, you know, to get some funding so I don't have to pay for all of I know, it. I
0: know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> we're going to pray that you get the funding that you need. Les, I see a tattoo on the left hand. What does that mean? A tattoo. Oh, that well, one. One, the,
1: this one for my birthday, Says 12-11 and the time that I was born. Oh. <laughs> 7-Eleven, for those who understand what angel numbers are. Mm. I see uh, triple numbers and, and double numbers all the time. I wake up in the morning, it's 3.33, 4.44, five fifty-five. Wow! 11 on every building license plate, and I always have. And so I started to Google it, and I kind of just feel like they're guardian angels. So that's what this is.
0: Yes, beautiful. Wait, who gave you the name Big Les?
1: You know, to this day... I can't really remember which director it was. And I want to say it was um, what's Mike's name. Big Mike, they used to call him. Big Mike Ellis, maybe. But we were working on a project. And um, everybody would be like, well, who's the big girl doing the backflips? And they'd be like, oh, that's just Les. And they'd be like, big Les, come here. And then people just started calling me that. I never named myself that. It okay. really just happened because, I, like I said, I'm, you know, there's a picture on my Instagram of me and Simone Biles. And she literally looks like she's my seven-year-old daughter. Like, she's up to my breast. She's really tiny. You know, she's really small. And I'm considered to be, you know, tall for a gym. Yeah, so yeah. For five, true. six is tall? Yeah, for most gymnasts. I mean, even college gymnasts tend to be meatier and thicker because, you know, we grow into yeah. our own puberty and stuff like that. But most gymnasts, especially the ones, are really barely five feet tall.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: very few of us are this height. You know what I mean? Five five, five six, So, you know, people are just not used to seeing it. They're like, oh, she plays basketball. She runs track. I was always very muscular. I'm like, no, I can barely dribble, but I can run. And I do all the girly stuff. Like, I can ice skate. I can roller skate. I dive. I swim a black girl yeah. swims. I yeah. don't care about
0: my... Yeah, yeah, my- yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> all that artistic stuff. So I'm like, sorry.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. What's next for you, Leslie? What do you got? I mean, you got, you're so multi-talented. You're intelligent. You're smart. You're just... Your business acumen is delicious. Like, what's next for you? What are you going
1: to do? Um, again, let, if I can do what my counterparts are doing, mm-hmm. or even better. And I say that when I look at, like, a Ryan Seacrest or a Carson Daly or mm-hmm. even an Oprah. I want my own production deal. Nice. I am not just standing there holding the mic but i own it right. I'm creating projects right. i'm in the show like and, and really bringing some um creative stuff that people don't know about or are missing to the forefront um i would love to maybe create a musical or be in a musical that would allow me to dance still a couple more times during the week nice. um i yes. kind of would lace up for something like sorry That's something okay. like that yeah um and um travel the globe and find my real life guy. Like I was in a relationship for a very long time. And so I'm ready for the <laughs> next, whatever he looks like and yeah. where he's at. So I was enjoying dating. I, I don't mind yeah. that, but yeah. You
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of great things for you, Leslie, where can people find you? Where can they find you?
1: I am Leslie Seagar, L E S L I E S E G A R on all platforms. Um, I also have a second page if you stumble across that, Your Girl Les L-E-Z, which is my ratchet page in case I want to curse
0: somebody out. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna follow that one.
1: <laughs> picture up or something. But yeah, and then my website, LeslieSegar.com. But just Google me, I'm there, I'm around, I try and update as often as possible. So
0: When are we gonna get the book? Is the book coming soon, maybe? Uh, um, not soon. We're still, you know,
1: working that out. There's so many things that I have to be reminded of that you just really forget about your yeah. I think people don't realize that, even though, like, yeah, I'm working with Michael Jackson, but I'm also thinking two steps ahead on mm-hmm. the next job because mm-hmm. that's the life of a dancer. It's like, what's next? What's next? Right. So it's a lot of in between that I forgot about that I have to try and remember, find the photos because we didn't have cameras back then tell the story, remember the story, all my, you know, encounters with all these artists. So there's a lot that has to go into it. And then I have to decide how much I'm going to tell because, you know, I'm allowed into these rooms because I keep my mouth shut. Yeah.
0: You're seen and not heard sometimes, right? That's important. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's good. Hear nothing, say nothing, hear nothing, right? (laughs) Leslie, I want to thank you for spending this time with me this afternoon. This has been wonderful for me. And I want to say that you helped so many women, especially black melanated women, dark skinned women, because... We didn't see a lot of images like you on TV, and so we feel like you've bust through, like you set a footprint. You are classy. You're classy. You're beautiful. You're smart. You're friendly. You're warm. You are hip hop's favorite. You give the people what they want. It's a beautiful energy, both inside and out. And I want to thank you. I want to congratulate you for everything that you've done and much continued success. We are watching. We are praying you are leading the way and we're going to follow. So when you get your own production company, I'm going to come and work for you. So that's what's going to happen. Work with me. Work with you. Yes, Leslie. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's my time, everybody. That's my time. But I want to thank our sponsors again today, which is the Universal Hip Hop Museum. Yes, thank you so much, guys, for partnering with us today. You guys are doing some great work there in New York, so we appreciate everything that you're doing. We love hip hop. We love hip hop. We love hip hop. We do, and we love house music too. But thank you so much. Yes, look at Leslie. Thank you so much for the hip-hop museum for sponsoring and powering today's show thank you for that um you guys you know where i am first of all i want to thank everybody that came out yesterday for the back to school drive that was phenomenal yes we touched some lives we had so many uh donations and contributions thank you to free 99 uh, fridge who donated like 50 backpacks to us filled with supplies and materials already in there. Um, we blessed some people that came through yesterday. People were kind of moved to tears, um, because they just didn't have it. They didn't know where to get it. And we were just standing out there, you know, passing out book bags to those that needed it. So, we are here for you. We can only be as good as you allow us to do uh, those things. So thank you so much for supporting us yesterday. If you have some supplies and you want to get it to us and get it to the hands of kids that need it, it's not too late. Reach out to me. Slide into my DM. Let me know that you got some stuff for me. And we will uh, connect and get those um, materials from you and get them to the hands of the little students that need it as they go back to school this year. Um, yeah, me. I'm everywhere, right? I'm on uh, Instagram, Real Chicks Rock. I'm on Facebook. I uh, got a website, realchicksrock.com. I'm wearing the brand today. Yes. Thank you so much. This was donated by uh, JJ Custom Tees. Joseph James, thank you. Great job on the t-shirt today. It feels great. It looks great. He gave me the red exclamation point. You know, if you guys can see that, that's hot. That's what we're doing. So thank you, Joseph, for the shirt for today. Uh, thanks to the listeners. Uh, Get live radio in the UK, WDJ 999.1, the on channel, and beatbreakeradiofm.com. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. But I want to leave you with this. With my, um, I w- he's like my mentor, my radio uh mentor. I loved him so much. As Leslie mentioned today, WBLS, that was the staple. If you're from New York, you know that station. It was Mr. Frankie Crocker. He said, may you live to be a hundred and I live to be a hundred minus a day so that I never have to know that beautiful people like yourself have passed away. That's my time and until next time. Be well. Take care. Hey. Continue to hey. wrap well. on. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a product or service you'd like to have promoted during the show, please contact us at info at realchicksrock.com and we'll send you the details. We're reaching the masses and we would love for you to join us on the ride. Until next time, take care and continue to rock on.